Well, this morning, in Revelation chapter 5, they are looking for a winner, and a winner can't be found. And in Luke chapter 2, it appears as if everybody is losing. So this morning, we're going to weave together Revelation chapter 5 and Luke chapter 2 and see if we can somehow combine these two together. So we're going to begin with Revelation. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. So the picture is you've got God, he's on his throne, and there's a scroll. And writing is on the scroll, both sides, with seven seals. I just want to tell you a little bit about a scroll. First of all, the scrolls were 15 by 15. You can remember this. You're smart. 15 inches wide by about 15 feet long. That's the typical scroll, 15 by 15. It's rare to have writing on both sides, and no one has ever heard of a scroll with seven seals. This scroll doesn't have one seal. This scroll has uh, seven seals. Go back to verse 1 if you would. And this one just said, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Okay, look at verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel. Now that just popped out at me. Does that mean there are lesser angels? Does that mean there are chump angels? I, I don't know. But I saw a, a mighty angel. That's a great description for me, proclaiming in a loud voice. Now get this. You got the big dog angel asking, is there anybody who can break the seals and open this scroll? Why? Why is this so important? I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy? Is there anybody worthy? Is there anybody who can open this scroll? Is there anybody who can break this? Now, again, I want you to hear this. A seal was like one time and a string. This one's got seven strings and seven pieces of wax that are making sure that nobody will violate this. Is there anybody worthy? Now, here's what's in the scroll. This is why it's so important. What's in the seven seals scroll is God's plan. The seven-sealed book is the comprehensive program of God culminating in the second coming of Christ. So we got to know. We got to know how this is going to go down. We got to know God's cumulative plan, God's comprehensive plan. Can we be told and taught what God's plan is? And so it's, the, it's this verse. But no one. The angel says, is there anybody who can open the scroll? He says, no. No one in heaven no one on earth and no one under the earth could open the scroll or could even look inside it. Now, here's what they're thinking. We're going to lose. We're not winning. We've been through all this death, burial, resurrection, but still, are we going to win at the end of time? You know, this morning, as you came through the doors, many of you in this room probably don't feel like you're winning and how can I win over my addictions? And how can I win over my temptations? And how can I win at work and not lose at love? How can I win at love and not lose at work? And so we're all walking into these doors this morning asking ourselves, are, are we winners? Am I a winner? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, I, I wept and I wept. 
because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. No one was found who could even look inside of this story. Now, in the Christmas story, in Luke chapter 2, you know, the last 2,000 years, we preachers have probably sprinkled a little bit of glitter and gold on these characters. But they didn't feel like winners. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, she'd been barren for 30, 35 years. Every month would come and every month would go. 12 months out of the year, and she didn't get pregnant one single time. She doesn't feel like a winner. Zechariah is in the priest. He's doing his priestly duties in the temple. And it's his big moment. And he has this encounter with Gabriel that doesn't go well. And Gabriel meets him inside of the temple, and Gabriel says, it's back on. There's been 400 years of silence from Malachi, but your son, it's back on. The whole plan of God is back on. And Zechariah says, well, how can I be sure of this? And I kind of think Gabriel overreacts a little bit personally. I mean, Gabriel says, kind of bucks up and says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And because you didn't believe me, you can't speak. And so here's his big moment. His whole family and his clan are outside the temple, and out comes Zechariah, and he can't even speak. I think Mary didn't feel like a winner. Mary's got this whole wedding planned. You know, every bride's got a, in her mind, it's going to go perfect, and it's going to go this way and this way, and got a cater and coordinator. And, and all of a sudden, the angel, same angel, shows up to her and says, Mary, you're going to be highly favored, and you're going to have, I, I, I'm not sure that her parents felt like they were winners, or Joseph's parents felt like, we never read about Mary's parents or Joseph's parents, and then Joseph's trying to convince all of his buddies, I'm telling you, she hadn't fooled around, really, she is, you know, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine those conversations? And all of his buddies are going, yeah, Joseph, he hit his head with a hammer, you know, the dude's out of it. I mean, it's a hilarious story. It's, it's incredible. I don't know if you feel like a winner today or not. What is winning? Can you not feel like you're winning and be a winner? And can you be winning, think you're winning, but actually you're losing? And so our story today, man, it defines and describes winning in some incredible ways. Well, let's go to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. This is a 90-mile journey, three days, at least three days, 90 miles. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to a firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger. Folks, they don't feel like winners. There's not even a Hotel 6, a Motel 6 available for them. And by the way, how many of you women in this room, you've given birth? You have physically given birth to a child. Okay. How would you feel nine months pregnant riding on a donkey for 90 miles? And guys, I'm going to say this kindly, but... Do you think Joseph felt like a winner having to listen to that for three days? I'm, I'm, that's all I'm saying. I'm just going gonna, gonna to leave it there. We'll let it go. There was no room. There was no room. Look at verse 8. 
The shepherds didn't feel like winners. We're unclean, we're cold, and we got the stinking night shift, okay? Living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Look at the next verse. This is the only guy who thought he was winning. You see, you can think you're winning and actually be losing. And you can actually be lose, think you're losing and actually be the winner. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he's the only one thinking that he's winning. Now, I think this is kind of funny. We name our kids today Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we name our dogs Caesar. <laughs> There's some humor in that, isn't there? That's funny. If Caesar Augustus, the great Roman emperor, he would have just had a coronary, wouldn't he? So let's go back to Revelation. Here's our story back to Revelation. Is there anybody in heaven, the mighty angel asks, who can break the seals and open the door? I wept and I wept because there was no one who was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Now I'm going to break down verse 5 in pieces. I don't want you to miss anything on verse 5. The first part of verse 5 says this, then, see here's the tension, John's weeping and weeping and weeping, I'm a loser, we're going to lose, this isn't going to work. And the Bible says, then one of the elders. This is why you always want to have spiritual leaders in your life. You've heard me say this before. Every woman in this room needs to have a woman in front of her, beside her, and behind her. Every man in this room needs to have a man in front of him, a man beside him, and a man behind him. And this is why you want somebody ahead of you. Because somebody can spiritually pour into you and bring you perspective. Then one of the elders said to me, let's go to the next section. He says, do do not weep. John, you think you're losing. We're winning. You think you're not winning, but we are winning. And he says the word see. Unless you can see something, I like the little phrase, unless you can see it in your mind, you won't be able to hold it in your hand. Saying that positively, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. There's a vision here. Do you see who wins ultimately? Have you got life kind of figured out? It's like the game of Monopoly. Everything goes back in the box at the end if it's all about power, prestige, and possessions. So he says, do not weep. See, look at the next part of the verse. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. Now, winning will be defined not by a what, but by a who for the rest of eternity. Winning is defined. He came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. Say that with me. He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And verse 6 says this, then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. What an amazing story. But it was told to us in the Christmas story, everything we read about in the book of Revelation, Luke told us it was coming. Listen to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now just listen to some of these verses from Revelation. Just listen to what they're saying about winning and who winners are. So Jesus, he goes and he takes the scroll from God who's on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on this earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Now, again, there's the word angels. First time we see it, what's, what's the adjective? It's a mighty angel. Now what do we have? We have many angels. So again, are these like middle-class angels? I don't know. Numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And you sang that just a few minutes ago. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne. Don't miss this. This is winning. Winning is described and defined by him. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and forever. What an amazing passage of Scripture. Let's go to the next verse. I watched. Now, I want you to talk, catch this. So there's seven seals And the seven seals are going to be broken by the lamb and the lion. And he comes and he snatches up this seal. It's got seven pieces of string and seven pieces of wax on it. And in chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 and all the beginning of chapter 8, we have the breaking of these seals. Again, it's the comprehensive plan of God. Don't miss this. What's in the scroll? It's the comprehensive plan of God. And it culminates in the second coming of Jesus Christ. You want to know what's going to happen? It's in these seven sealed letter. And so here he goes. And I just want you to see this in chapter 6. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. When the Lamb opened the second seal. When the Lamb opened the third seal. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal. When he opened the fifth seal. I watched... As he opened the sixth seal. Now we go from chapter 6, now verse 12, all the way through chapter 6, all the way through chapter 7, and all the way to to the top of verse 8. But listen to what he says. He says, then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. And they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in the temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them. You want to win? You want to be in the shelter of God? 
You want to be under the protection of God? You want to be under the favor of God? You want to be under the gracious gift of God? He shelters them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear away from their eyes. And here it is. This is the seventh seal. This is the big dog seal. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. People have asked me, is there time in heaven? I think there is. The Bible talks about a description of time. There was silence for about half an hour. Folks, don't miss this. Heaven couldn't speak. Heaven couldn't breathe. Heaven was so stunned that for 30 minutes, not a single angel could say a word, not a cherubim, not a seraphim, not an elder, nobody in the the whole company of the heavenly host could say a single word. They were stunned in awe of the lamb and the lion and God's incredible plan for the second coming of Christ. He is worthy, and he is able to break the seals and to open the scroll. About two months ago, um, I went to one of our elders' meetings, and I said to the elders, I said, we we need your help. As a staff, several staff members, we're, we're working on a plan, and they came to me and said, you know, last year we had four Christmas Eve services. And this year, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, and we're not really sure that unchurched people would come on Sunday. We would really like to do five services. They came to me with this. Of course, they didn't have to preach five services. <laughs> and, and, and they said, you know, we, we'd like to, to have a, a, a real outreach where the people could bring their family, their friends, their coworkers, kicking music, and, and we'd like to provide an online service on Sunday morning, I thought, oh man, we've never done this before. Good gravy. You know, that's the famous, you know, words in the church. It's never been done that way before. And so uh, I, I just presented this on a dry erase board to the elders. And then one of the elders said, it's time for us to pray. We discussed it for a while, and then we prayed. And then for the next three and a half minutes, not a single elder said a word. Not a single elder spoke for three and a half minutes. And every elder in that room was trying to figure out the perfect will of God. God, what do you want us to do? I saw some of them looking up. I saw some of them looking down. I saw some. But the wheels were turning. They were asking, God, what do we do? God, what do we do? God, what do we do? And then unanimously, our incredible leaders decided that God was leading us to do five services and have an outreach event like never before and provide the online service. My point is this. I've never had a cooler moment in 35 years of elder meetings. In fact, cool moments and elder meetings do not go together, okay? (laughs) They just don't run. I've never had a moment like that. I didn't want it to stop. I was so in awe of our spiritual leaders and the depth of prayer and earnestness as they were seeking the Father's will. This is 30 minutes. This is not our elders. This is like the elders, okay? This is like the host of heaven. For 30 minutes, heaven doesn't breathe. 
When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I don't know how you define winning. I don't know if you define it by power, prestige, possession. I don't know how you define winning. But I do know how God defines winning. And he defines winning by your relationship with the lamb and with the lion. He, he defines your relationship, his relationship with you, by your relationship with his amazing son. And so if you've given your life to Christ, you, you are a winner. And you are winning. And you don't have to win the approval of man. You know how exhausting that is? always be trying to win the approval of people. I remember when I was first started to preach on Mondays and Tuesdays when I was back in this little office, I'd be thinking about these different people, and I was trying to make sure that I wouldn't offend them or blah, 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 or whatever. And I thought to myself, my goodness, they're not the audience. He's the audience. He's the one that's given us approval. If you're in Christ, you have such a future. You have this amazing future that you can't dream of or even begin to imagine. So because you're a winner, how do you keep winning? How do you keep winning the days of your life? I want to give you five quick suggestions. I'd like to leave you with something practical. If you're a note taker, these these will be in your bulletin. But how do you keep winning? Number one, you plant these seeds. You plant these best seeds. Now, what does this mean? Well, Galatians talks about sowing and reaping, and you reap what you sow. And because that's true, you want to plant seeds of Scripture. You want to plant seeds of prayer. You want to plant seeds of service. You you want to plant the best seeds in your life so you will reap this harvest on this earth and continue to win for Jesus Christ. Number two, you're going to say the best words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Because you're a winner if you're in Christ, wouldn't we be able to just continue to have great faith and great boldness? Number three, you turn disaster into direction. Oh, I went through a divorce. Oh, I went through a bankruptcy. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, whatever it is. We all have disaster. Every home, every person, every family, there are, there are disasters. But you take that disaster and you turn it into a direction because he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Number four, you let go of the past. Let me ask you this question. How long are you going to keep telling that silly story? How long? You go through a crisis, you go through a disaster, you got six days, six weeks, maybe six months, but, but how long? I mean, it's been 16 years, and you're still telling that silly story. You let go of the past because you're a winner in Christ Jesus, and you go forward, and you serve Him, and you honor Him, and just like the elders and the angels, you bow down before Him. Number five, you surround yourself with winners. Now, what do I mean by that? All the men in my inner circle 
love Jesus. All the men in my inner circle pray every day, read scripture every day, ask God for clarity every day. I I am surrounding myself with men who are winners in Christ Jesus. And you want to surround yourself with people who have those kind of values. Now, if you don't, you won't win as much. But if you do, you'll win more and more and more and more. Um, well, let's say that you're not a Christian. Let's say that you're, you're outside of Jesus Christ. So last week, um, Janine and I went back to our old church in Memphis. I was a senior pastor for 16 years in Memphis, Tennessee. And we went back for a wedding. I did a wedding for one of the elder sons. It was a great wedding, lots of fun. And um, while we were there at church, um, we saw this couple that we hadn't talked to for quite a while. They're now probably in their early 70s. But when I was there as the pastor, she would come every Sunday, probably in the late 50s, 55, 57, 58, somewhere there. And he was the same age. He wouldn't come. He was a Marine, just a tough, and Marines are tough, right? He was tough Marine. Yeah, there you go. All right. Marines are tough. Uh, he was a banker and, and rose all the way to become the president of this bank. And in the paper, it listed how, much, how many millions of dollars they paid him when he retired. Multi-millionaire dude. And, and so I, I would meet with him. So I, he retired from the bank. And when I got to know him, he had 13 different businesses. Incredibly successful man but he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And so, you know, I, I got the gift of evangelism, so I'd go meet with him, and I got nowhere. It's like the Iron Dome. Every time I tried to talk to him about Jesus, he shut it down. He was polite, very professional, but he would have nothing to do with Christianity, spirituality, and he certainly wasn't going to waste Sunday mornings coming to church every Sunday. So we were at church last Sunday, And after the service was over, we're like stampeded by all these people coming up to us. And sure enough, the wife was there, and he was there. And and, and the last time I talked to them was five years ago. They have three sons. And the middle son died of a disease five years ago. I called them five years ago from here. I didn't go to the funeral. I called them from here. I'm so sorry. And and you don't pray with this guy over the phone. He's kind of anti all this, so I just... Said, you know, I'll be praying for you. And so he gets off the phone. She stays on the phone. And she said, you know, if he's ever going to see our son again, and the son was a strong Christian believer, he's going to have to give his life to Jesus. And I'm going to tell him that. I don't know what happened between five years ago and last Sunday. But during the course of the, after the worship service was over, all these people were down there, and there this couple was, and he's actually grinning in church. He's happy, and he's given his life to Christ, and he comes with her every single Sunday. They worship together, and he's all in on Jesus. Now, that's an amazing story, but because this man thought he was winning, but he was losing, and now he knows he is winning. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, to today at the end of the service to come down to one of our prayer partners and give your life to Jesus. Why? Stand with me. Look on the screen. Because He reigns. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb.